This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're here talking about the finale of Season 2. Farewell. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. This is Derek, one of your hosts for the Star Trek Picard podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're here talking about the finale of Star Trek Picard Season 2. Farewell. Hello there, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Welcome back. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this triumphant season, I am Chris. Hmm. Triumphant season? I don't know. I'm trying to be really positive coming into this episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was slightly dour last episode um, on our uh, review. Um, and while they landed, did they stick the landing? That is the question we are here to answer. Um, and we're going to score it on a, a basis, much like the, the when you have that high diver diving into the water and everyone just goes a placard, mm. just throwing it up. We're going to throw up our placards of discussion. As we go into this. Yes, as our wonderful fellow Trekkies and Trekkers know at this stage, we talk about the episode, we discuss it in detail, we talk about all the spoilers, everything that's going on in the episode that we want to talk about. Uh, we're not here to review it, uh, we're here to discuss the episode exactly. overall. It's, it's our placard of discussion. Yes, although <laughs> I do give a review at the end. At least a, a You give a point score, as, yes, a, as a relative a point score. Yeah, yes. exactly, exactly. But we're not here to review it, we're here to discuss what we thought of the episode. Uh, right up front, I'll definitely say... This is significantly better than the last three episodes have been. We were really positive as the season began, got a bit negative for a couple of episodes, and at least this episode is far better than the last few episodes have been. I will, I will definitely say that up front. Uh, let's get into our discussion about the finale of Star Trek Picard Season 2. This episode was directed by Michael Weaver, who directed Episode 9 of Star Trek Picard Season 2. The episode was written by Christopher Monfett and Akiva Goldsman, who wrote Episode 2 and 3, and Akiva Goldsman is a uh, lead producer on the series as well. Excellent. John, would you like to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the finale of Star Trek Picard Season 2? Sure. With time ticking down to the launch of the Europa mission, Talon interprets the Borg Queen's message to mean that a sacrifice is required to save René. Despite Picard's protests, Talon uses a holographic disguise to thwart Soong's murder attempt on René. Talon is successful, but dies in Picard's arms while René departs on the Europa mission. Meanwhile, Rafi, Seven and Rios take out Soong's backup plan to cancel the Europa mission using his drones. After his failure, Soong returns home to find that Corey has deleted his digital files of his research, destroying his life's work, but he still retains a physical backup with the file labelled Project Khan. Kor, following an unexpected message about what is next, meets with a traveller formerly known as Wesley Crusher and is recruited to join the travellers to watch and observe as she picks a path for herself that will place her in danger. With the Europa mission safe, Rafi, Rios and Seven are believed to be stranded in the past, but Q arrives to speak to his friend, Picard, about the trial. 
Its purpose was for Picard to accept the past, his fate as the Jean-Luc he is, so that he can forgive the past and accept the love that is in his life. Q then uses the last of his power to send Picard, Seven, and Raffi back to the Stargazer in their own timeline, where Elmer is alive. Rios decides to stay in the past with Teresa and her son. On the Stargazer, with the self-destruct ticking down, Picard recognises that this Borg Queen is Agnes, whose collective has detected the disruption in space. Cancelling the self-destruct, the Borg and Federation join forces and shields to stop a system-wide destructive event from the tear in space. Succeeding, a new transwarp conduit is revealed, part of a puzzle that is linked to a threat. Bogatti is unsure of what the threat is on the other side and offers to monitor the conduit in return for provisional membership of the Federation. Back on Earth, after reuniting with the older Guinan and learning about Rios's life in the 21st century, Picard returns to his chateau and asks Laris for a second chance. At love. Exactly, exactly. I'm glad they didn't show the kiss. Yeah. I was like, don't show it, don't show it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everybody deserves love. And this season taught us that Picard deserves love too. So That that is true. But I mean, it's kind of like walking in on your parents. Yeah. Or something like to that effect. I I get that. Eh, eh. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> well, as you know by now, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, the way we cover our episodes is we cover our top points of the episode. We're going to start off with our general order, our small moment of the episode. Make it so, number one. Excellent. I'm going to jump in here quickly for the very first uh, small moment, general order. Okay. We discussed off air a while ago the return of a certain character, mm-hmm. a certain a certain actor who transcends geekdom and has been in multiple shows and has brought his own skill sets to multiple programs. And you were like, nah, they're not going to do it. And who do we see at the return of this episode? The one and only Will Wheaton. He is back. Uh, Wesley Crusher. Yes, we were talking about it as the announcement of uh, of season three announced the majority of the uh, Next Generation cast returning um, for season three of Picard. Yes. Um, but no announcement on Will Wheaton uh, and his return on the show. So uh, what I was saying was it was too complicated to get him back into the show. But uh, I guess um, this Not. entire <laughs> exposition dump that, uh, that Will Wheaton is given in this episode is, uh, is how they reintroduce him just to say goodbye and basically say, I'm not coming to season three. Uh, this is me disappearing yeah. with one of your major characters. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I will I well no the the major the other major character from this season but technically not the android that's going to be in the next season maybe. So Soji still may be there in, in season 3. Um, I didn't want to talk about this right now but it is part of part of the news that's come out since the show is completed. Um a significant number of the actors from this season have confirmed they're not in season three. Um, we'll talk about some of the characters, obviously, that are, that are leaving here. Rios, uh, obviously, is staying back in the, in the 21st century, so he's not returning for next season. Um, it's been confirmed Alison Pill has said she hasn't filmed anything for season three, um, so she's not returning for season three. And Issa Brionis has also said goodbye to uh, to Star Trek Picard. Um, so the story oh, wow. okay. in season three is going to follow a, a new uh, a new story and probably to do with the threat that we'll see at the end of the episode. Wait, okay, that's that's really weird because I, I assumed that this 
new conduit that came mm-hmm. like a bolt out of the blue and a huge surprise was in some way linked to the threat from the technology that we saw in season one, mm. right at the end, that was trying yeah. to come through the port portal that there, that had been created. And so I was linking that to, coming back to Chris's point, this conversation between Wesley Crusher, now a traveler, and yeah. um, Corey, in mm. that this, she was going to be looking out for either the robotic future from the first season, but also potentially this threat that we only glimpsed very, very briefly uh, in in season one. You know, it had been built up about this annihilation of organic life through this mm. technological, mechanical, robotic, um, sentient being. Mm. Um, and so I kind of thought this was maybe a, another way, or at least this conduit was being linked to, you know, the Traveller and, and that this conversation. So... Hearing that Issa Brionis is not coming back, um, I'm like going, okay, so it is just going to be some kind of whole new thing. Mm. I remember Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire confirmed that they weren't in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. That's uh, true. Before it yeah. came out. But uh, but as the season uh, finale aired, lots of these actors went on their Instagrams and, and Twitter to say goodbye to their characters. That was the end of their time. But oh. absolutely possible that these characters will have uh, small roles in the next yeah. season. Issa Brionis really... The amount of screen time she got this season, given that she was the second major character in season one, was significantly smaller in season two uh, than it was in season one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lots of people uh, saying goodbye. Uh, lots of the main cast yeah. saying goodbye. Interesting. It, it was, I, I, yeah, it is interesting because it's. It, I'm m- most surprised at Alison Pill, given that she's monitoring this trans warp conduit, mm-hmm. which you would expect is going to be the season three sort of what everything uh, hinges around in terms of the threat Mm. and everyone from next generation returning. So, uh, I mean, even if it was just literally the first episode where she's still monitoring and, you know, so I I guess we're just going to see something destroy the Borg ship, I guess, or something like that without ever seeing into it. I mean, and you're right, because ultimately, if she's just said, I haven't yet filmed anything. Mm. Filming has completed for season three, but she could she could have filmed her scenes really early on and thought it was part of season two, and they're just incorporating them into season three. That could absolutely yeah. be it. It could be something at the first episode. But uh, but it was just something because uh, of this moment with, uh, with Crusher um, effectively arriving back to incorporate uh, Corey into the Watchers. Yeah. Um, it's really just to, to tie up the story point that we had throughout this season of who Talon is and what, what Talon's purpose is and who was it that sent her as a Watcher to Earth. So this is the artist formerly known as Wesley Crusher saying, I'm a traveler. We're the people that place Watchers in the universe at distinct points in time where they uh, can intervene in case the uh, the future gets off balance effectively. Yeah. So, uh, so it's a really interesting scene, but it is really exposition heavy for such a big moment. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that was kind of my point, and that was where I was like, oh, cool, he's traveling, so we will see him probably pop up with Corey in the next season, because that was where my head was, because I was like, oh, cool, so her point in time is going to be somewhat, like, thrown into our season three, and she'll be, like, another watcher on the... Because also, and I'm I'm jumping, Borgatti uses the term, will be the watchers on the wall. Uh, which is a biblical term 
It's, some people remember from Game of Thrones. It's that whole thing of the the Black Guard. You are the you are the people on the wall watching over the oncoming kind of apocalypse. You are kind of and they you're the first line of defense. So I took that plus the Watchers and Travelers, and I was like, oh cool. So Crusher Crusher's here. I was like, oh grand. So like they're kind of giving him the slice now, and he's going to be he'll be even bigger in the next one. So interesting. Uh, I, I think we're all on different, but yeah, maybe it's just quick films now and nothing major into the next, aside from another cameo. I was just very happy to see him. I, I always loved Crusher. I, always, I love Will Wheaton. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was my small point for this episode. Yeah, it was great. It was great to see him back. It was great, yeah. to, great to give him that moment, especially, as you say, Chris, when he was taken from the show in Next Generation, when he was taken away as uh, this character going off with the Traveller. It was all explained as he was going to have all these adventures. And you're kind of thinking, oh, I'd love to see those adventures. That'd be great. Yeah. And then you never saw him again. So this is the first time we've seen him in, what's in there, 25 years or 20, 20 odd years since the end of uh, Next Generation. First time we've really seen the character. I'm sure there's some books out there of, of yeah, well, but I would definitely like to see the adventure where he ruined a century in one <laughs> uh, on one planet uh, through miscommunication. Yes. I think yeah. the last good. time he made a joke. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. So yeah, a big surprise seeing him there. And as as Chris said, yeah, I had said before that I thought it was a bit too complicated to bring him back. So interesting to uh, to see how they did it uh, for this episode. And and an interesting. End for Corey. Yeah, no, definitely. Kind of, you know, I think she needs to come back to have real interest here. I mean, if it's just like off into the sunset, mm. fine, but I just because she's not been in the series that much, it's kind of like, okay, this is setting up season three, but if she's not coming back, it's kind of, okay, what, what, you know, I, I guess it loses a bit of its impact and mm. meaning, to be honest. It's effectively um, saying that she's going on to greater things, much like when. Wesley Crusher was taken away, and we've seen a character like Talon throughout this series as to what a Watcher is and what their um, what their plan is and what their uh, job is, I suppose. So it's kind of saying, right, Corey, you're going off to the same life that Talon had because we feel you can be a great Watcher. So, interesting. Yeah. Um, my uh, small moment is a surprise, a gift from Q, not mm. just to uh, Raffi or, or Picard, but also to the audience. Yes, he gave us back Elnor. Mm. Uh, Elnor resurrected on uh, the helm of, of one of the starships. Yes. Um, and uh, yes, he does need to sort out his uh, harmonics a little. He's obviously not got the uh, groove uh, when it comes to setting up uh, uh, shields. But okay. nonetheless, I, I'm glad he... You know, I'm glad he, he was brought back. Yes. Um, and, you know, at that is the great thing about Q with a click of the fingers, you know, something magical can happen in terms of, you know, no need for slingshots around the sun this time to sort of time travel, just the old snap of the little fingers. And uh, we, we get them everyone back in their sort of timeline that we started with. But for me, uh, really good um, to have, uh, Elnor back in this moment. And I, I love the reaction on Raffi's face yeah. as well, just seeing that, you it's know. A little lump at her throat, you can yeah, see exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, goddamn Q, you know, yeah. like, both, he's a pain in the neck, and, well, isn't that nice? Exactly, exactly. Now, in fairness, I know you, you said that he couldn't uh, align the, uh, the, the shields on the Excelsior when he returned, but in fairness to him, he literally says, 
I was on La Serena <laughs> and now I'm back at the controls at the control station here. <laughs> oh, what am I doing? Because you know he is he is an ensign as as uh, as, Rafa, as uh, Rafi says. So uh, so in fairness to him, he's literally just appeared back to life. Absolutely. So, so I can understand why he's not graces his job immediately but it does get it sorted pretty quick absolutely (laughs) and it does kind of confirm that it really was just that core central team that were taken out by q Mm -hmm. into um the 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 alternate timeline yeah Uh, not everyone in the vicinity of the borg ship from uh episode one otherwise i guess everyone would be going how do i use uh (laughs) how do i use this Um, i was just dead what's going on (laughs) exactly exactly so uh yeah nice to see elner back uh in this scene and and nice to give him a moment at the end uh with his family uh around him that was that was uh, was nice a nice moment yeah i really liked that i must say i I did i did like that ending as well the Mm -hmm. the old uh family sort of you know post work um booze up it's kind of like a thursday night in in the federation yeah you know go drinking on a school night I off guess. to guidance sure why not off to uh number 10 forward street yes uh yeah very cool from my small moment uh in the episode i'm just going to mention it here because it's been going on and on throughout the season uh rios does stay what a shock uh the most unsurprising moment of the episode uh so far rios stays behind in uh, in 2024 um that thus giving q the power to bring um Elnor back to life effectively so yeah. uh, Q wouldn't have been able to do that if Rios went along with them he says now that I have that extra boost of power by not having to take you through forward into the future um I'm able to provide an extra special gift effectively so so at least at some point to Rios staying behind um it's such a shame because I do love the character and he's had practically nothing to do other than do a will will I won't day stay in 2024 um that's kind of it throughout the season but we should yeah. mention it here I suppose and at least there is that little moment from Picard saying to him uh is that a good idea um we're in 2024 yes. will this cause some major ripples in the in the timeline um so so at least uh we do get a little bit of that and we we hear more about him in the future yeah yeah and I will discuss that as one of my major points for this episode later <laughs> yeah I, I mean ultimately I wish he didn't stay behind uh yeah. to be honest um I I like the character Rios again I think he's Possibly being a little underserved, and mm-hmm. um, with his sort of "will I, won't I" kind of thing, and uh, of uh, with Teresa, and and but I, I, I at least really enjoyed again with the Thursday night drinks, and um, that they got to hear about his life yeah. in that time. So that felt quite a nice cap off to that, even though I wish uh, he was still. Uh, in in the 24th century yeah you know yeah and yes as you, as you say we do hear about his history it does seem like he's had a, a really good impact on society at the time um they kind of says that rios uh, dies in a bar fight uh, fighting over medical supplies smoking a cigar so even though we didn't see it on screen it is confirmed that he does finally get to smoke <laughs> a cigar <laughs> back back in 2024 but weirdly and i don't know whether this is the right place to pick it up because it's, just, it's supposed to be the small point section but it is delivered as a small point. It is literally delivered as a line of dialogue for Guinan, the entire wrap-up of what's happened in the past. So Rene was going into space because she needed to find an organism from a planet that nobody else would have found if she wasn't on the mission, effectively. Yeah. she. What's described by Guinan is she brings that back, and by the time she comes back, or a little later at least, um, Ricard figures out what to do with it yeah. yeah who's Teresa's son he's he has set up 
a body which uses this organism to clean the oceans, clean the skies and develop a, a better and brighter future. So I thought that was really interesting, given how much the battle throughout the season has been to get this Europa mission out there, that this is told in dialogue, in one line of dialogue from uh, from Guy. And I thought that was a, an interesting choice. And you could have missed it. Yes. Given how much else was going on in the scene. But uh, yeah. But that's where that is. Uh, Good on Ricard. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. It's great that he has had that impact. But I kind of feel you might have yeah. had that in a history book or some kind of lesson uh, that's being taught rather than a line of dialogue. Um, because it seems like quite a big thing if you've solved global warming and you've, and you've cleaned the earth and sky. Um, that's quite a big thing to have achieved. Oh, yeah. And how it he met with his auntie Renee. When they have never met before, they have never interacted. Yes, but Rios would have been fully aware of them. And Rios is his father now. Rios has stepped into yeah, his father. But- well, so surely he will keep in contact with this woman who was saved by Talon, saved by Picard. So, of course, they'd keep in contact. I, I totally understand that. But again, the fact that it's a dropped line rather than a bit more on screen, I thought was yeah. a, bit, a bit odd. Yeah. Let's get on to our immediate moments with our small moments covered. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. Our Omega Directive, our medium point. Uh, who wants to kick off with theirs? Um, I will, because uh, to be honest, this had a little bit of the same impact as the um, Battlestar um, Lily Flowers from season one uh, for me, um, was the whole transwarp conduit, because mm-hmm. um, it just happened uh, right <laughs> at the end really quickly. And yeah, really cool. Loved it and everything. But um, I was kind of like going, what's happening now? Like this could go on for another hour. I was expecting a whole additional 30 minutes of uh, storytelling. Um, and it, it, it just kind of happened because, um, I, as I say, I, I thought it was really cool with, um, and I guess it's just connecting it back to Bugatti and, Agnes there being the Borg Queen, which we had kind of, you know, had, had sort of nailed that um, surprise uh, mm-hmm. a while ago. Yeah. But um, here she is giving the reasons for taking over all the, the Federation ships in order to create a shield for a... Um, a, a space, a disruption, uh, an energy signature in space that mm-hmm. is about to go Death Star on a planet <laughs> that looks very distinctly like Corcorant, um with uh, the round circle lights and being heavily urbanized. Yes, it did look very Star Wars. It yeah. did, and um, so creating this protective shield by aligning all um, the ships' uh, shields uh, to sort of rebuff that, and then. As that energy has been expelled, there is this transwarp conduit which contains a threat at mm-hmm. the other end of it. Um, it's not something to do with the travellers that I w- was kind of thinking it could be, but there, w- there is some threat um, at the end that the even the the Borg Collective, with all their knowledge that they have uh, amassed, mm-hmm. um, are not sure of what that threat is only that there is a threat linked to this transwarp conduit so for me like i thought this was really really cool but it it started to make me think i just wish we had kind of come back to this timeline in maybe episode eight or something so that this um just wasn't as big a surprise or or 
or it, you know, it kind of was just sort of explained and developed and provided for through the episodes yep. a, a bit more because um, it did. It, it felt like the sort of launch battle flowers um, a bit. It was like, oh my goodness, this is happening. So, and mm. um, whilst it was cool and all that, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it, sort of. Um, you know, cementing this, this whole thing, cementing Agnes as still being there, um, you know, sort of in, in, in the Borg Queen, mm-hmm. uh, having, um, taken a different direction for the Borg, that the, you know, the juicy kind of, uh, aspect of the Borg being part of the Federation, yeah. uh, that this, this new Borg. So, um, I, I, I did really enjoy it, but it, did feel like it came from left field because like from from episode one all the federation going to this this signature then mm-hmm. was for the Borg queen or so i thought now it could uh, okay. be that the that it was this signature that they were actually going for and then the Borg arrived but maybe it's because episode one seems like a long time ago and yeah. that they were actually going there for this signature rather than the Borg um, signature, and the Borg signature appeared because, yes, they were then going to try and combat this energy burst. Yes, so they they were uh, they were attracted there effectively because of this neutrino emissions and, and yeah. the damage it could do. And when they get there, they, there's a message coming through for Picard. So, um, so what this episode here is that is effectively we have the resolution to Jurati's storyline. She has yeah. created a Borg that are willing to be protectors and willing to use their technology and use their abilities to protect the universe. Um, we hear that she chose uh, the music cue effectively, the uh, General Gratorian, to calm down Picard so that he could have a moment of clarity to say, oh, actually, we need to work with um, the Borg here. Yeah. This is Jurati. Don't blow myself up. Exactly. And turn off the, uh, the self-destruct. Um, and once they've fixed the problem, once they've all worked together and fixed the problem, then we have this transwarp conduit that's that's coming up in the background. Do we think this is the species that were being called by Soji and her um, compatriots back in season one that almost got through to our universe and then were pushed back off? What we ended off finding out could be major villains in season one and then they were pushed back through the conduit and now they're coming through another way in this at the, at the end of the season. So is there a tie back to season one here? That was my thought. Mm. That, and, and it, you know, given this is a contained three se- seasons and... Mm-hmm. Um, then it, I felt it was would be a nice tie back, yeah. but you know, with with Agnes saying we know it's linked to a threat, but they don't know what it is. Yeah. Then I, I'm just not sure whether that's the case. As I say, it it that was my initial thought, mm. um, that this sort of unknown sort of um spe- technological species mm. um really isn't known. Um, in that sense, <laughs> oh, yeah. other than it's it's got sort of, you know, mechanical octopus tentacles. Yeah. Um, nothing more is really known. And um, not to poke holes in it, but Agnes Gerati was there in season one. Exactly. Was there in season two and was there at this moment at, at, in episode one of season two, has become the Borg Queen and has lived for 400 years since 2024 as the Borg Queen. Surely she had that knowledge and 
wanted to understand what that anomaly was and may have been investigating it for a couple yeah. of years. So, but she did say with the combined might of the Borg, we still don't know what this is. So maybe she has been investigating, but couldn't find what the resolution was yeah. and who this, who this species is. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it's just very unclear. I guess we will <laughs> find out in season three of, of Picard for yes. sure. But... It, it's it's Doctor Strange coming through from the multiverse. Yeah, of well, it could be, um, but it's. Um, but I think it's to the point. If it ends up being that, it will make the Borg collective intelligence seem a little sort of duh, because um, you know they can time travel around a sun and mm. they can do fantastically um, amazing things, yeah. and and yet. They, they, you know, did one and one and came out with three uh, rather than two. You or know, did one and one and didn't find the equation and didn't find the answer. Yes. And <laughs> again, if Corey is not coming back or if uh, Issa Brionis is not coming back, mm. then I guess it would make less sense to have it as that uh, that species coming in season three. But who knows? Um, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I, I was of the opinion that it is. Yeah. But I'm I think that's more me being very hopeful because then it it ties it all together and we can watch season one to season three exactly. as a contained massive story. And hopefully there's then part synthetic discussions, there's some Borg discussion. Like it all it all all roads lead to this this end of season three. And I think I don't know whether we're hoping that that's the problem. So I'm going to very much wait and see. And if it is fantastic, if it's not, then the question becomes, well, what you basically then set up potentially two different big bads and one of them just got left on the table. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think, so I think it's likely that it's, that it's connected yeah. back to season one. I don't think we actually need, uh, not that I don't want Issa Brionis back for the next season, but I don't think we actually need her back to introduce the big bad coming through. She thought of it as a prophecy. So, um, so I don't think we actually need any of those actors back for the next season. If they do introduce this villain, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, but let's just deal with it as the cliffhanger for the season. We're not supposed to know what it is and we'll, we'll deal with it in season three when we find out more information about them. I think that's probably yeah, where we exactly. are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, will we move on to another media moment, Chris? Do you want to give us your media moment for the episode? Yeah, I'll jump in here. It is uh, essentially that um, Picard learns to love and gets the girl. He learns to love himself, accept himself, become the man that is Picard, accept the death of his mother, the, the loss of love, all that has led up to him being Picard. And then we get the two grandparents kissing in the conservatory uh, moment. Um not kissing Chris or not kissing or about to kiss or just (laughs) uh I look I actually enjoyed this um now at the resolution point Mm -hmm. I think and again this is what we always discuss about it's always kind of interesting to kind of when you get the full story we we always talk about how we will hold off judgment and uh kind of discussions until you see the full story that is trying to be painted by the writers, yeah. in this case, uh, Chris and uh, Akiva. And what I always find interesting is, while some of this journey I we have ha- cocked an eyebrow at, mm-hmm. i.e. like the, the very much like the storyline of the death of his mother and how like the, 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 the doorway and the key and mm. 
And we'll talk about the key in a second because obviously that gets into the whole Q aspect. But for this ex- Picard learning to accept love or accept that he is worthy of love, mm. it was actually nice. It, 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 yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a journey yeah. and some of that journey did take uh, an extra couple of t- minutes that we thought didn't need to be there. Or episodes, yep. Or episodes. But the actual, like I said, the resolution, the destination where we see Sir Patrick Stewart and Orla Brady there, mm-hmm. like, damn, like, just actually kind of went, no, that's nice. It's like seeing her bag packed and him asking about a second chance. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Now, the only problem, the only problem I have is Orla Brady needs to be a heavy character in season three because otherwise it is essentially he goes, can I have a second chance? Mm-hmm. He's there for like three days and then goes off on another adventure yeah, yeah. and she dis. So she needs to be there. She needs, uh, as uh, Laris, Laris needs to be incorporated um into this uh, as a recurring character yeah. because otherwise it is it's just like I've learned to love I love you bye exactly exactly. Um, in fact uh, Laris even says to him that she's about to go off and have her own adventures and he kind yeah. of says can I join you on those adventures so hopefully they'll be traveling on their adventures in the stars in season three so at least yes. that might be where everything plays in yes hopefully I will I will very quickly call out that uh, Orla Brady has made a deal with Cues in the universe to be um, basically the Irish genes are so strong that she is beautiful, just mm-hmm. stunning and radiant in this final scene. Yes. Uh, just really, just you're looking <laughs> at going, she's 61 years old. Patrick Stewart's kind of 20 years her senior at, mm-hmm. at 81. Yeah. And you're just like, there's a bit of a difference, but my God, I'm rooting for this couple. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, to be fair, she is exceedingly old as a Romulan as well. So it kind of works out. Like yeah. Patrick Stewart as Picard is uh, much older, mm-hmm. um, but it's only 81 in real life. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I was very happy to see this resolution. I just hope it continues this relation. Exactly, exactly. Um, for my uh, medium moment from the episode, my Omega directive, I'm also going to talk about Orla Brady. And I'm going to have to go by what the show is telling us, and Talon is not Laris. Um, it's gave us no yep. indication that there is actually a connection other than Talon is Romulan. Um, that's that's all we know, so we have to just accept Orla Brady played two completely distinct characters in here. Um, but the character of Talon sacrificing herself, the death of Talon uh, in this episode to save Rene, um, I thought this was actually quite moving. I thought it was really good that they had this moment where Talon goes and talks to Rene, the person that she's been monitoring since she was a, since she was a child, and they have this discussion between them that um, all of those major moments in Rene's life, she's had this guardian watching over her, not a guardian angel, just a guardian watching over, her, um, guiding her, making sure everything's okay. I thought that was quite a, quite a nice um, moment between the two of them, and to find out later from Q that this is the only timeline. Talon dies in every timeline, in every universe she dies. This is the only timeline that she's ever actually met Rene, making her life have greater meaning, I thought was a really special moment. We hear from her when she interprets Borgatti's message that that, that one Rene must die, one Rene must live, and she is the one that decides she's going to be the other Rene. We hear that discussion between herself and, and uh, Jean-Luc, um, where he's trying to save her, he's trying to say she doesn't need to die, and she 
puts a fine point on what you were saying, Chris, puts a fine point on what, uh, what the learning that he needs to make from his life. He can't save everybody. Everybody has to be allowed to make their own choices, even if that results in their own death or their own life. Yeah. And Picard's not responsible for everybody's life and death, including his mother's. So that is the, the fine point that this character puts on Picard's journey here in this season as well. So I thought it was a really important moment for the character and i thought it was a really good really well played moment and orla brady is fantastic once again um in these scenes as she uh meets the resolution of what she as a watcher is here to to do did you guys enjoy these moments of talent i did actually um i thought it it was really important that she actually did meet up with with renee you know and and, and renee realizing that she seemed vaguely familiar so mm. that notion of her being at those important moments with the 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 particular sailing sort of uh, that memento that mm. she passes on and I was trying to look at what that was it looked really small yeah, for a I, necklace i didn't really know myself a bit too and I big for something that you put on your arm or your wrist yeah but i just don't know women's jewelry that well <laughs> but i i like that she you know lays it out to to rene um and then mm. became the sacrifice in terms of interpreting that message from the Borg Queen before mm-hmm. uh, she scooted off in uh, La Serena. So I really liked that. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, having her... And, and to your point, it also adds to Picard's understanding of yeah. the notion of love, people having their own agency, and yeah. he ultimately is not responsible for everyone's and certainly not when they're not under his command as a exactly. captain of, of of a starship so um yeah i i thought this was this was really good i like the little touch that they're the this little amulet um that was given um by talon to rene mm-hmm. is the in the space shuttle as well that yeah. we see later um as they they you know they have um broken the earth's atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, and they're on their way so um i i really kind of enjoyed um all of brady's performance and i think it just gave her more than this notion of a watcher you know where she's effectively just sat in her apartment yeah you know absolutely. the notion i mean it must be quite dull being a watcher <laughs> i mean that's why with you know that she was more active than maybe you'd been led to believe yeah. in terms of you know the 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 no contact aspect a, a little bit because she what she says is i was there at that moment when um your uh your raft capsized or your boat capsized yeah. back many many years ago when you were about 10 and then the other night you saw me at the event. So she hasn't been there for every single moment. She hasn't broken no. her watcher ability, but she has met her once in the past um, and then seen her a couple of nights beforehand. It does obviously tie in really clearly with uh, what Wesley Crusher is saying about uh, what the watchers are there to do. They're there for a specific point in time to make sure the timeline uh, stays on track effectively. And this is Talon's specific point in time. She has to go and do this. She has to sacrifice herself so that the person she's watching gets to complete their destiny effectively. Um, but again, tying back in McHugh, Talon will always sacrifice herself, but this is the only time she'll meet Renee, which I thought was uh, was really important for this uh, for this timeline. So really enjoyed that. Um, good, to, good to have a, a big resolution to the Talon story. Um, and as I say, the show has not said that Talon is Laris, uh, which is a little odd. 
but well, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I, I really enjoyed parts of this. I enjoyed the one Renee must live, one must die, and the resolution of that, because I still didn't figure it out. Even when it was like, when uh, Talon was going, oh, I figured it out, Picard had figured it out. I was like, what? what? Hmm? Huh? And it was only when he was like, you can't be doing this, you can't sacrifice. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I thought there was going to be usage of her because we haven't really got much of it. The Remember when she was body hopping at the very first time we introduced, she was introduced? She was able to control other people's body and use it to talk to Picard? Yes. I thought that was going to be taken into account and be used in the place. Mm. So as a yeah. way to discuss with like multiple people talking to Renee. And I was like, oh, that would have been a nice callback to like episode where we first introduced to her. But no, yeah. I was like, okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I like the resolution of this part. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like was just no callback to how these two characters look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. No, like even Picard going... I think I met your, like, great-great-great-great-granny kind of, like, mm. piece or, the, like, just yeah. any call. But it Because I'm just like, if I went back in time and started rom- to a degree romancing or having a something or c- an emotional connection with my wife's or my potential love interest, great-great-great-great-granny... Mm. Kind of want to say something, just kind of like I at least like just admit to meeting this person, or yeah. hey, did did you have a like a relative named? Just the fact that it wasn't called, it feels like either something like that was filmed and cut mm. as a storyline, or it was a story beat left untouched. Yeah, and I, and I will say, I know we we probably talked about it before as well, but it, obviously the. It's established in Star Trek that your ancestors look exactly like you and are played by the same actors as you in the movie of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the Sung, uh, the Sung story. We've had Brent Spider in multiple occasions playing Sung over yeah. and over again. They're all different. So it is established, but it did feel weird to call it out. Patrick Stewart, as Jean-Luc Picard, called it out earlier on in the season. Um, we reveal that she's Romulan, but we don't ever have that discussion you're right there should have been a little moment where it's uh, where it's yeah. addressed but but it wasn't so i again we have to just go with what what the show says i suppose exactly uh, that's it for our medium points uh, let's move on to our prime directive we must face the ramifications of the prime directive lots of endings in the episode again it's the finale call of farewell lots of endings in the episode i think most of our Big prime directive, our big moments from the episode are the ends uh, of of where everything closes out. John, do you want to kick off with your big moment from the episode? Certainly. Um, it, it is Q here. Mm. Um, I loved all this with, with scenes with with Q, mm-hmm. with him, with Picard at Chateau Picard in in the conservatory. And then sending everyone, uh, with the exception of Rios back. Um, and it, it made me long for wanting more of the interactions here, Absolutely. sort of l- throughout this series mm-hmm. uh, or throughout this season. Uh, and just laying some more breadcrumbs. So as you say, um, you don't get this, this dump of, of, of Q. Nonetheless, the dump that we got was just great. I, I just really enjoyed the fact that, you know, this, this trial or, or the purpose of, of this was 
allowing Picard to pull back from all the responsibility that he has held around his his mother's um, suicide Mm -hmm. um, and that the important step here was that even though he knew how it plays out he put the key back in the same position so that this plays out again because it shapes who he is I think you know Q talks about you know in the moment that child took that key and opened that door, there was a crucible moment mm-hmm. where Jean-Luc Picard um, happened and what comes after. Yeah. And he effectively protects that by putting the key back there. And then also more on Q's um, reasons for doing this, that he is alone he is fading, he is dying, and he doesn't want Picard to to die alone. Yes. Uh, I, I love I just love the moment where when Picard says why and 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 um Q says finish that. Yes. And he goes, Why me? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and yeah. it, it it it's just really good because these two yes, Picard has always believed this is, you know, Q is a thorn in his side. Mm. He, you know, he he's the cat playing with the mouse. Um, mm-hmm. And um, this is the moment where it's like, actually, this is, you know, a significant connection. He wants to be with Picard at the end when he expends the last of his power to yes. transport them back to their own timeline at that right point in time. Mm. So that he's there effectively with his friend. Uh, I loved the hugging. Um, I thought that was really good. It felt really emotional. So I just really enjoyed the emotional gravitas of these two actors. Yeah. Together. Yeah. And with the rest of the team. Uh, and that click back. And even just mm. the nice kind gift that, as I mentioned for my first point, um, of of bringing uh, Elnor back. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really liked that. And I, I actually just longed for more of this throughout the, the season. Because exactly. every time John Delancey and Patrick Stewart have come together um, in the, this this season, mm-hmm. it's just fantastic. It's just yep. that shorthand that happens with these two actors from mm-hmm. their days on Next Generation. And... Yep. Um, it is something really special and you can just see it, you know, you can see it in this moment and it never disappoints. It's always kind of feels emotional, mm-hmm. meaningful and, and with such gravitas. And so I really enjoyed the, this purpose yeah. um, for both of them. Absolutely. That they are both um, at the end of their lives, whenever that happens mm-hmm. with someone that they care for. Yeah, and they're um, not alone. If that and they're not alone. Exactly. I really enjoyed this um, as well. I, I, I almost missed the line from Q saying when he uses this power to get them back into the future, that's the last of his power, and that's him dead. He's he's ending his life to send them back into the future. I almost missed that. Um, and that adds, that adds the even more uh, gravitas, I suppose, yeah. to the moment that Picard reaches out to him and says, you're not alone either. You've got me, kind of thing. So, um, so I, yeah, really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, for me, this was a fantastic final 
feather in the cap that has been this story of Q and Picard for mm-hmm. the beginning and of Next Generation to the end. Like, this was just interesting. It's mm-hmm. And it was that, why? And then, no, 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 that's not the question. Why me? Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's it starts with Q explaining it's not just about Picard, it was also about the human's abilities, mankind's abilities. Um, and I was like, that's cool, because that's... It explains not just the, the this season, but the trials itself. Yeah. And then beyond, it does, it goes, well, no, I also did this season just because I feel like I want to help you, Jean-Luc. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is, this one was about, all the before was about being Q and the trials and mankind mm-hmm. and trying to ex- show mankind's both fertility and, uh, uh opportunity for greatness. Mm-hmm. This was about showing you, Jean-Luc, making you grow and accept what was needed to be accepted. Exactly. Yeah. As, as he says, he says, you humans, you're like butterflies with your wings pinned. You hold mm-hmm. on to moments in time that forever, I, you know, constrain you, restrict you, yes. limit you. Um, and the ability to unpin those wings so that you can truly then be, um, you know, greater than the sum of your parts. Yes. And so it's really kind of, um, you know, it's just very, very hopeful yeah. in terms of, you know, the agency of humanity and, yeah. and so on as well. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And call back to the conversation you had with Guinan uh, earlier on in the season, which was uh, that humans hold on to the past uh, yes. much more yeah. than they should. So uh, a tie in there, uh, not to poke holes in it, did really enjoy this uh, resolution and um, the trial and, and what it, what it's about. But there is a line back in that conversation with Conan earlier on in the season that it, that now makes no sense. Um, Q pushed Picard on his trial to this future version that is that of of the world that's been destroyed by something that happened in 2024, and he says to Conan, "I'm not the one that sent him back in time. That wasn't part of his trial." But yeah. here at the end, he's saying it's absolutely part of his trial. He was pushing him back here so they could resolve the issues he had with his mother. So for some reason, that line now completely stands out as being incorrect. But you could argue that Q was pushing him on a path and all of the choices that Picard made were yeah. Picard's choices. So um, so he would expect that Picard would go back in time knowing that this issue was caused in 2024. So you could probably argue that that's what they were trying to go for but it felt like when q said it i didn't push him back in time well how could it be part of your trial if you didn't push him back in time but, but no i mean, yeah. I mean that's i i agree i i, I think it, it it's it stands out but I, I think it's that q just didn't push him to 2024 yeah and it's because it's creating the agency it's a trial it's not about Q lining up the dominoes to knock them over mm-hmm. for the light bulb moment. He puts him in a situation yeah. where, which actually, you know, in, in this instance, Picard is thinking of all of humanity. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it becomes a very personal thing about him. Uh, and that's through the, the journey that he goes. So that's how I took it. So I, 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 absolutely get what you mean that it, it it's it, it feels 
the wrong statement, but I just wonder whether he's saying, I didn't move him to the point where I an- answered his question for him. Yeah. Because he could do that, you know? Oh, no, of course. He no, could but- lay it all out like a smorgasbord. Um, <laughs> and so that is the journey. It is a trial. It's about the the journey and i guess because journey involved time travel in the end yeah yeah it it, it just felt like the way he said it he was saying i have no uh, i have no agency here in what picard did but what he really means is i knew he was going to do that uh when i presented this situation to him i knew picard would only go and solve this puzzle because that's the picard i know and that's what picard would do and by solving that puzzle he'll free himself of the guilt that he feels over what happened with his mother. So uh, I guess that's that's the path. Uh, but I just wish it had been better told yeah. from Q. That, bit that's a, all. Better, a, a, a better turn of phrase yeah. in that moment with Guinan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it for Q, I guess, uh, overall. That's the that's probably the last we'll see of, uh, of John Delancey's Q. So a good, a, a good goodbye um, to the character. Agreed. And, and the only one I can think of is that we get a death scene of Jean-Luc in the next season and you have John Delancey kind of standing in the background that he attended and died. Like the Jedi? Because, yeah. Well, I was more going with like the death of Captain Marvel where you had all the heroes standing around the bed in comic books oh, where comics, yeah. uh, essentially... You had Captain Marvel in the middle and like all of the heroes and villains were standing around him. And you had people who, time traveling people who attended because Mm -hmm. they came back for that one, they came back or forward for that one moment just to be there. And you could see, I could see that kind of like his last breath was to take them home and then stay and hold John Luke's hand as John Luke dies. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Like I could see you that, but even if not this poignant moment where yeah, like maybe I would have seen liked to see one last kind of cue fade to white or that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. when he blipped in and out, that mm-hmm. kind of piece. I would like to see that, but overall, yeah, no, this is the theoretically the end. Mm. Using the last of his power to, uh, and, and that is what will, what will lead him to his end. So he may not die instantly when he snipped, when he snapped his fingers and sent them uh, through to the yeah. future. He may not die right there, but he's left here at least in 2024 without any powers so uh and on to what us humans call death as he says so uh so that could be the last of q uh chris do you want to give us your um big moment for the episode that you want to talk about sure so very much for me it is i'm calling it the butterfly wing beats mm-hmm. um so this is the only piece where i'm starting to have a bit of problem with the overall season i'm taking account from a story perspective right um, which is the now Rios has stayed. They have been in 2024. They have jumped around time. There has been phasers. There has been people teleporting. There's been multiple aspects of this. Um, so there is in my head a lot of, and Picard calls it out to Rios in it, kind of going, what about the butterfly effects? Essentially, where if Rios stays, there is effects on history. And yeah. they, the way they have just got around this was going, but what if I was meant to stay? I'm like, true paradoxical law, sure. Mm-hmm. But then we've got Borgati being in the future. Mm-hmm. 
But that means then also, like, it, there's a lot of paradoxical elements being pulled into play here where, well, hold on, what about the other Borg? So what, like, have the other Borg always been, and Borgatti's been in the Delta Quadrant by herself as a side? No, there is um, no other Borg. Exactly. Mm. So then, what? how is Seven still Borged up when she returns to the future? There's just a lot of butterfly wings being created, and, like, like paradoxical elements to what has been the next generation. So Seven's like that because Borgatti did that to save her life. Um, so Seven's back to looking like the way she was when she was bored because of what, what Borgatti did last episode to save her life. So she does look the same as Seven of Nine, but the reason she looks like that is because if if Girati hadn't done that, she would have died last episode. So, uh, so that's that's one of the things taken care of. I suppose I see your concern on this, on the Borg side of things, because... Jurati has gone forward to the Delta Quadrant, spent 400 years setting up the only Borg. There is no other Borg in this new timeline, effectively, that's been created. Um, so that means all of the adventures versus the Borg that have happened with all of the characters, you know, everything that was set up to do with the Borg within the Star Trek universe doesn't exist in this version. Exactly. Of the so yeah. Annika is no, Annika should not be on that ship. She's, so there, she's seven, there because she sent her forward, yeah. Yeah, so it's that kind of oh no, well all the season one with Hugh as an XB, mm-hmm. all the the aspects there, they've just they've created a lot a lot of paradox paradoxical elements here, mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm here for the story. I'm not going to try and pick apart every aspect, yeah. but they need to at least address parts of this because even mm-hmm. with the piece with Guyman, and you brought it up that Rios's kid now is the one who saves all of yeah. Earth through finding Renee's um, organism that cleans up everything. Mm-hmm. So what was it before? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. We never got... They didn't... They dropped that hint and then just let the thread die. Rios got, like... Rios well, died in a bar brawl um, kind of doing his piece. But what was it? it yeah. I mean... This was my only bit. There was just so many... And I, I'm kind of stumbling on my words because yeah. I I wrote down a, a fair few and I, I feel like I'm attacking some of the writers here. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to come across because, again, as an, as a season, yeah, I, I think uh, like we're just discuss- like as a discussion, as a season, there was a lot of fluff. But overall, the story was quite fun. I was here for the journey. I'm here for season three. Mm-hmm. It's just it's now created a lot of question marks, which I can see both long-term fans and fair-weather fans mm-hmm. starting to go, but hold on, I don't understand. Now, that kind of null and voids a lot of season one yeah. to a degree. What the hell? So, what do you guys think? I ha- I have three things on this, I think. I think very kind of briefly, possibly season three deals with that, if it is yep. in that vein, Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of paradoxes with the timeline. Maybe that's the thing. Um, I think the other side of it is potentially that what has happened has happened. So again, it's how you're viewing jumping through time and the differences. And I mean, I'm coming at this based on effectively the new or, or, you know, maybe the more accurate 
description of it that came through with Endgame and so on, in that the past doesn't change. It has happened. So the Borg and Lucius and so on has happened. It's just that now that timeline remains there, but there is these developments Mm. um, that has changed it, but it doesn't wipe them out as ever having happened. Um, as opposed to, yes, the Back to the Future and, and the Star Trek idea of time from, from yesteryears of if you change something, yes, you have implications through time. Um, but I think it comes to then ultimately the writing actually in that then they need to be clear on, on what's happening. Yeah. And it's to your point about, you know, whether it's, the the comment um you know that we we've discussed around um Q saying well he, he you know he he didn't plan for Picard to you know I didn't send him back through time if it, you know if that is a and the way that was expressed or it's the like the body hopping that you talked about earlier you know she Talon has that skill and for some reason no longer uses it and that could have been how um it could have been yep. it could have been, how it could have been utilized in other situations so i just feel that maybe the the writing needs to tighten up across the full season um and for whatever reason um it's maybe just been a little bit flabby so they're my kind of three points on that i'm not too worried like you say i'm happy to with what's been presented and i'm not really too much bothered around the butterfly effects happening um but i do think there's a few things that possibly link to that for me Mm. the the one thing i'll call out it's a point for and a point against which is in the shadow just before q arrives they Picard pull, calls out the bullet holes that were, he yeah. said that in his time, they, they, his mother, when they were doing up the chateau, it was to do, it, they were bullet holes yeah. from a different storming of the, when they were protecting it. And he goes, they're still in the same place. So I took that as that these are bullet holes created from the, the storm of the board military. Um, on the chateau just now, mm-hmm. like just taking place. But I think so. Some others have said that this is they were there already, and they've always been there from when World War Two. But maybe they actually weren't, and they were there. The later Picards thought they were there from World War Two, mm-hmm. when actual fact it was always the Borg, and that was always going to be there. And this is the paradoxical elements. I'm like, just I just need a bit more tightening. I just need, and again. It's fine. It's, I, I'm over analyzing. I'm over yeah. discussing. I think the bit but it I, was just the, a piece. Yeah, I, I think the bit I didn't like about the writing there was when Picard points out that the bullet holes were there, like they were from World War Two, um, and Rios goes to him. So does that mean we're on the right track? We're on the right timeline? And Picard goes, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly. Why, why are you writing lines like that? Saying I don't know because you wrote the line before it. Right, the, yeah. write the line saying 
it does, or probably, or something like that. I don't know. And the thing is, Rios being concerned about it then, and then saying, I'm staying back. Mm. Yeah. And, and what potential implications that has. So, yeah, there's a couple of things that probably have to have to happen to resolve that. Uh, Rios, remember, the whole issue with him being there was that he didn't have any paperwork and would always be caught as being someone that doesn't belong in this society until he gets all the forgeries and that kind of stuff done, I guess. So that has to happen or because or else he can't uh, set up his time there. But at yep. least they do have a bit of lip service. In fact, they call it by the name you're using, Chris. They specifically have a moment where Rios puts together everything that they have used in this timeline into a bag and goes, that's all the butterflies I can possibly find. He specifically calls out the uh, the phasers that they've used, the uh, the communicator badges that they had left behind, that he gets them all together, puts them in a bag to get rid of them. So they don't leave anything behind that could cause an impact of what they had done. So at least they have that and they say that. So they've only really interacted with about five or six people that uh, could be aware of them. And all of those have kind of agreed to not talk about it. So Except soon. But soon is... Soon, soon. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, people won't believe uh, what soon. If he does happen to bring it up, they won't be. They won't believe him. So, problem with that Talon's apartment. That was the one I went. Okay, yeah, you need to be doing that in Talon's apartment because she literally had a thing on the wall that was uh, alien technology. Not to give the show too much credit again, but we have had the conversation where where Wesley Crusher. Has come back and said they've set up watchers in multiple universes. So that's the responsibility of the travelers, not the responsibility of Picard's crew. They've they've probably had to do uh, the burn and run a couple of times. True. Okay. Yeah. 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 Fair point. Yeah. But look, my whole thing is I hope some of this is addressed in season three. I think even just with some lines to discuss. What is, is this a new timeline? Is this an, like, is this a continuation? Like, is this actually a 30 episode season is this like one big storyline back to front where they've broken into three seasons and like then you go oh well this has been we fix this here and it's all been it's a beautiful tapestry we can only just see one small part of right now we will see and i think that's the key but overall i was just like it was just as someone who enjoys timey-wimey kind of storylines from doctor who from Everything from the Avengers, from when I, I see some of these the the the, the fallacies of paradoxical bits and t- and time travel, and it's just they you can easily address it with narrative and with discussions, but they just miss that. And I was like, okay, hopefully we just get this because I just don't fully understand where we are right now, and I think that's as someone who is fully invested into this universe into this like as a trekkie i'm like huh it felt a little hand wavy uh by the end of the yes. season it was like yeah okay we're just gonna finish that season and do that again. yeah <laughs> it's like don't, 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 don't look over here don't look over here it's and like- as we said before there was so much useless material that could have been excised from two or three episodes this season to allow us to expand and have yeah. a bit more on the things that were really important in this episode because there was loads um I'm going to go on to uh, my prime directive for the episode. The, the Just Do the it. only other moment we really haven't talked about is kind of the failure of Soong's plan. Um, we talked about Talon uh, thwarting him and him going back to, uh, to to his apartment effectively. But I really liked that we got a little bit of, of 
uh, impetus from Corey here, the kind of payback for everything he'd done, all of the things he'd uh, he had done to affect her life and the lives of her sisters, as she calls them, all the yeah. all the previous um, augments or all the previous uh, versions of Corey that had died. Uh, she wipes every single bit of his research. So yeah. previously, he didn't have the key that finalized and created Corey, had the, the key to keep her alive that was provided to Corey only by Q, which um, allowed her to become uh, a, a proper person that could live on. Uh, so he didn't have the key, but at least he had the research up to that point. Now, Corey's taking all of that away. Um, so really like this payback for Evil Sung uh, for all the things he did and all the things he tried to do yeah. uh, throughout the season. I thought that was a that was good payback. Um, and then the last thing we see is a little nod to... Khan! Yes, uh, Project Khan is in his desk. Yeah, that was cool. And it also the um, important reminder to keep a hard copy back up. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yes, always keep a hard copy. Computers will not store it, especially if somebody hacks into it. So, uh, so the Kang project um, is something that is already is already in train. He's not created Kang. Khan is something that has already happened, effectively, but he has the details behind it. Khan was a superhuman in the Star Trek universe, uh, effectively an augmented human, uh, created and better than all other humans around him, effectively. And of course, that started a big war, uh, a big, a big problems. But, um, but Sung was involved in that. But he didn't create Khan, but he is involved in the creation of other augments so it's a little nod to his future path that he's going to go down um which is uh which does create quite big problems for uh for earth of this time and can you explain what that is for those who aren't into because i went i know this should be important to you guys i don't know fully why i know i know the name come i was like huh i don't fully get it can you explain for so for people who are just into Picard, maybe not fully into Next Generation, or he hasn't watched any of the other shows, movies, etc. Like, just a quick primer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Khan Noonien Sung is uh, probably the greatest villain from Star Trek, the original series. He was in uh, he was in one episode of the series in the 60s, um, where it was revealed that he effectively was frozen in time and travelled forward and went up against captain kirk to try and take the enterprise from him because they were cryogenically frozen and effectively fired out into space uh, after the war to get them away from earth um they tried to take over the enterprise and were sent to a planet uh, after uh kirk had effectively fought against them and calmed them down they were sent to a planet to um to live out the rest of their extended lifetime following that in the best star trek movie star trek 2 the wrath of khan we find out that actually after sending them to the planet there was a, an event that killed uh, all of Khan's loved ones, all of all of the people that he uh, that he loved on the planet, his wife uh, and some of the other members of his crew. So uh, they go back on the attack uh, against Captain Kirk. So uh, a fantastic, fantastic movie. I'm sure most of our most of our listeners have uh, have watched that one. That's uh, that's up there with the uh, up there with First Contact as as one of the best Star Trek movies. But he also returned. In Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, a very different version of Khan, but a very angry version of Khan, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and he used the uh, pseudonym throughout that movie of uh, John Harrison, which is the person to my right. So uh, so we've had Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> no relation. No relation. Uh, but you were very excited going to see the movie in the cinema with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who plays Doctor Strange, the wonderful Doctor Strange. Uh, 
playing John Harrison. Yes, exactly. Will he play um, you in your biopic? There's, there's not many times you go to a big budget movie where your name is like the one of the lead characters. Mm. Um, it'd be like being called Chris Pine, for example, well, or um, I guess Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, yeah, yeah, but it was even weirder because for some reason the writers of Star Trek Into Darkness decided to keep it secret that it was that. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was playing Khan right up until like a week after the movie was released. So you had posters with Benedict Cumber- Cumberbatch plays John Harrison <laughs> on them and stuff. So uh, that was all exciting, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, is that yeah, enough on Khan? It's, it's interesting to see that. So like it is a huge potential callback and kind of it's, it's just cementing that this, this is who and how some of this began. Yes, it connects, some of the- it connects soon into that storyline of, of the Augments and uh, and the battle for Earth, effectively. So, uh, yeah, really cool uh, that they tied that in. But I would highly recommend, if you aren't a big Star Trek fan and haven't watched the, the original series much, go check out Space Seed, uh, excellent episode, which introduces Khan, followed by Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. And then if you have a bit of time, uh, check out The Wrath of John Harrison in, uh, in Star Trek Into Darkness, Sir Chris Pine. There you go. I will. I will. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. That was my uh, my major moment for the episode. Uh, overall, anything else that uh, you want to talk about from the episode that we haven't gotten to? Uh, not from my side. Nothing from mine. Good. <laughs> overall, what did you think of the episode? Uh, Starship Picard Season 2, Episode 10. Farewell. Chris, overall? Overall, I am happy. Um it's happy with a question mark it is essentially uh, it's a paradox uh, i am both happy and unhappy i am <laughs> i am schrodinger's uh, discussion point um no overall i look they, they actually did something that i didn't think they did they did wrap it up and they did make sense because as coming into this episode we were like a, a renee must live and a renee must die what huh like how what you've just created board what does this all mean I, I think part of me is still hoping that season three addresses a lot of these loose threads mm-hmm. and addresses some of these paradoxes. Yeah. And I think once we get that in season three, then I think I will look back on this season and the, the, this story as being something monumental in the beginning and the formation of like the Trek lore. Mm. But I can't address that until that season three. So looking, this is where this question mark comes in. I am happy with how they wrapped up parts of it. I'm happy with the Q storyline, like to a degree. Like yeah. it's again, all two degrees of question marks. So overall, yeah, I enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm happy with where we landed with, with question marks going into, okay, well, where do you go and how do you tie these loose threads back in mm-hmm. very good um but yeah so that's mine excellent mr harrison Khan. what do you think of this episode yeah i i i, re- I enjoyed this episode I, I more than i thought i would do um I, I would give it four resurrected elnors out of five mm-hmm. um i liked how it tied back together um i loved q's end journey and picard's end journey here thought it was really really good and um, i loved elnor coming back i loved the the bar scene of them just you know um toasting to to family uh, this, this group um of 
or uh, and family unit, uh, even though they're not related. And um, I really enjoyed that. That chimes with me. Um, I really enjoyed Agnes coming back. I loved the the transwarp conduit. Mm. I loved Wesley Crusher. Um, but I, but that's me sort of just riding with it. Um, mm-hmm. riding the waves. Um, you know, it, the trans warp waves. The trans warp waves. Mm. The 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 problem for this is is just um, they spent too ultimately in, in my mind spent way too long in 2024. Needed to cut that a little bit short. Yep. I think you're right. There's so many um hurricanes that potentially could be spinning around uh the 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 galaxy um as a result of what they've done um you know really not careful around the prime directive uh, like you would see to you know an ocd type uh, length um from other shows but i don't necessarily mind that so i think there are a lot of surprises and things that needed more clarity and should have been provided for, I think, within this season. But nonetheless, I, in terms of the episode, I really did um, enjoy this. I, you know, having Wesley Crusher come back um, as the Traveler um, was was really good, and I I want that to have an effect. I don't just want Wesley Crusher to be there mm. for that one scene in order to effectively allow Corey or Issa Brionis to effectively leave the the show, mm-hmm. which if that is the case, it just is superfluous. It means nothing. Um, and everything that they write should mean something. Mm-hmm. And they should be doing a Kevin Feige of how this connects around the Star Trek universe, because there are a lot of changes here potentially. And that includes being clear about how they're viewing time travel. Is it the Marvel Avengers way or is it the Terminator um, way? It seems to be the Terminator way. Mm-hmm. and um, Which would be weird considering, as I say, yeah. w- why would everybody be up in arms in the future when uh, Jurati Borg has arrived there if the Borg have been this kindly presence for 400 years in the galaxy? Uh, but, yes. Yeah, so um, I, I did enjoy this episode, uh-huh. but... Um, they need to get tighter in their concept and structure and writing um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really hope season three links in to parts of this season mm-hmm. and that this um, talk of a number of that core new team around Picard haven't just been sacrificed to bring back the old team. I, I want them the old team back, absolutely. But I want it to be with this new team. This is a new hub around Picard. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, and I, you know, I, I don't want to theorize about what happens in season three um, and how the whole three seasons will be viewed in the future. But ultimately, um, yes, I think we mentioned this before. It, I'm, I'm a little colored of this being the weak second album, ultimately, um, or the weaker second ah, album. Yes. Richard Blaze's so, feedback last yes, week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but ultimately, I enjoyed the resolution. And, and primarily because of the actors and what how it brought them to a conclusion. But that conclusion 
has huge ramifications that haven't been necessarily explored or dealt with better previously. Um, so, yeah, I would give this four resurrected Elnors out of five. So, Derek, um, what is your thoughts on episode 10 of Star Trek Picard season two? Uh, yeah, same as you guys, um, but I, I think I'm a little bit higher on the episode itself. I really enjoyed the finale episode, but wow, when you take it in context with the season, it just has put so much stuff forward in one episode that really needed more time throughout the season. It feels like the producers from Paramount, which is which we talked about last week, what, what they've done is tried to create an event series because they have Patrick Stewart back. They want to create this big event for everybody that wants to watch it. And part of that's going to be the big thing in season three, which everybody's still talking about. It's still making news. All of the cast of Next Generation coming back for the final season. That seems like an event that they're writing around. This episode felt the same way. The return of Wesley Crusher is a big event. The death of Q is a big event. The fact that we have this new version of the Friendly Borg is a big event. And they wrote around those three big events to close out the season. That's too much to put into an episode overall. Yep. But the episode was really good and really enjoyable. I wish it had been spread across the season and had a number of revelations, a number of payoffs throughout it, and just not had as many moments with two people in a room talking about what they might do or talking about their past, because that got really grating throughout the season. So overall, on this episode, really positive, really enjoyed it in comparison to the last few episodes, but I love the season. had felt better and had been yeah. written much tighter even with the same number of episodes, I think you could have spread what's in this episode better across the season to make the season feel better. And I am concerned about season three, given how many of this cast is not coming back for it. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a brand new story, a final adventure for the Next Generation crew, as opposed to tying things together and making yeah. a final season that caps off the story of the three-season Picard arc. Yeah. Well... There are thoughts, fellow Trekkies and mm. Trekkers. Let us move on um, to your thoughts in a moment. But before we do, let's get to 10 Forward yeah. and the 10 Forward pub quiz question. Yes, let's get our family of TV podcast industries over to have a, a drink in, uh, in 10 Forward. John, what is the pub quiz question, the final pub quiz question for this season of Star Trek Picard? Yes, question 10 is... What astronaut does Talon replace to speak with René Picard before takeoff? Very good. Yes, that is uh, it is spoken out loud. It is on screen. You'll definitely see it. Uh, check it out. Once you have the answer to that question, send in the answers to all 10 questions to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. We'll reveal the results, the winner of uh, the Star Trek Picard goodies uh, in a couple of weeks' time when we do a quick wrap-up on Star Trek Picard Season 2. Uh, John, do you want to give the question one more time? Yes, what astronaut does Talon replace to speak with René Picard before takeoff? Please, fellow quizzers and Trekkies, send in all your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Exactly. And there will be goodies transporting their way to a lucky person uh, in the future. Exactly. Of which timeline, I do not know. And if you've missed any of the 10 questions that we have for this season, just pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. All of the questions are up there uh, for you, and you have a couple of weeks to, to get those into us. 
Let's get over to feedback uh, for these episodes. Kicking us off, we have a little bit of feedback on last week's uh, podcast, actually, on episode nine. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, Great to hear the voice of an angel back in full flow with Chris's uh, La Serena song last week. Uh, thanks, Dr. Bob. <laughs> Don't encourage him. <laughs> hey, Margarita. Hey! <laughs> Since we just came from 10 forward, I thought I'd do a Margarita joke. Excellent. Thanks, Chris. Uh, thanks, Dr. Bob. Jamie Lawton says, I loved ECH Elnor taking out board Team 6 with his sword after rejecting all the other more modern weapons in the lockers. Um, someone pointed out that's a reference to uh, to Pulp Fiction um, because Bruce Willis's character goes through a whole share of uh, of weapons and picks out the sword to do ah, his damage in, uh, in Pulp Fiction. I'm not going to tell you what scene that is, but uh, but you'll remember the uh, the Bruce Willis scene yes. uh, where he carries his sword. Thanks, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Laura Redenbach pointed out what Chris had thought were other weapons on the wall of the bunker in Chateau Picard were actually racks of wine bottles. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks, Laura. Yeah, look, that that does make sense. Being it's a wine cellar within Chateau Picard, yeah, mm-hmm. it would make sense that there is um, some uh, bottles of Chateau Picard, nineteen forty-five. Yes, yes. Uh, it's a, it's a good vintage year right here. Yes, uh, thank you, Laura, for spotting the wine in in the cellar there. <laughs> uh, on the season finale, William Walton says, "Great episode." Thought a descendant of Rios and Teresa was going to show up in the bar during Picard's conversation with Guinan. Mm. I know the Next Generation cast are showing up for next season, but do you think we could also see characters from Deep Space Nine and Voyager? I think that's certainly um, a possibility, given we have Seven of Nine yeah. uh, in the show already. So um, we've had name drops for Janeway. So yeah. um, for sure, I oh. think um, that is a possibility, yeah. But I have a feeling they're more likely to focus on the Next Generation uh, group. Um, and it might just be more name drops or references. I, th- I think so, yeah. I, I know Kate Mulgrew is doing a voice uh, on Star Trek Prodigy, um, reprising the character of Janeway, but I don't think she's going to be coming back in, in live action uh, as that character. You could argue, of course, that since Worf was on four or five seasons of DS9, he's a character from DS9. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe those are the ones that are going to cross over. But uh, but yeah, I'm not not sure if we're going to get many more uh, people out of the cast because there's a lot of people coming from Next Generation. Yeah, I, I think if they're going to do DS9 and Voyager based on the back of Picard Season 3, they may do a season of Voyager Returns yes. or Deep Space Nine Returns. Remember, Defiant, the Defiant ship for DS9. Mm. Uh, like they may do something like that where they based on how successful uh the Picard season three may or may not be, mm-hmm. they'll go, Oh my god, look at this, we brought everyone back, let's do it one more time. Yeah. Here's all your Voyager teams and there's everyone back, and then here's all your DS nine defiant and everyone's back. Yeah, yeah. And it's just as these event seasons exactly. Exactly, as we've said, Paramount strategy seems to be to have fifty two weeks of Star Trek on every year and uh season three is gonna gonna be the final uh, part of Picard, so I guess they may want to replace that with a Janeway series or a or a yeah, uh, series uh, exploring the Delta Flyers. How about that from uh, from Voyager? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, uh, William. Uh, Jamie Lawton uh, says just finished watching the finale and like the rest of the season, really enjoyed it. Loved all the Easter eggs throughout the whole season. Excellent stuff, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good to hear because I think you know. Um, I think we've enjoyed the season as well, um, for sure. And 
what's not to like when you have, you know, John Delancey coming back as Q, you have the old cast coming from season one coming back um, around Picard. And so, yeah, lots of Easter eggs. Love the Khan folder. So really uh, glad you enjoyed this season overall, Jamie. Thanks for the feedback. Absolutely. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, Richard Blaze also had some thoughts on this episode. He says, looks like another generic episode for me. Killer drones, face masks, Ella Faceoff. John Woo has a lot to answer for. <laughs> oh, no. Manual control to destroy drones. Files deleted. Oh, who could be doing that? W2F. But that means, holy moly, I wasn't expecting that. But actually, that seems to make some kind of weird sense. He could have done that. Petulant child deleting files. Bloody ungrateful kids. Cocky, arrogant child walking around outside after crippling parrot and accidentally bumping into... W-T-A-F. But, but, mind is currently exploding. O-M-G. Music. Oh, God. Sweet, sweet Star Trek music. Please do not let Chris sing, hum, whistle, or use any other body, other parts of his body to replicate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bugger. Back to Chateau Boar. Picard and Q, utterly beautiful speeches. When Q admitted he was dying, that was it. I was sobbing. Convenient MacGuffin to get them back to the future. Rios staying? No way. What a surprise. Picard and Q hugging. Well, Picard hugging Q had me bawling my eyes out again. Huge missed beat revealing the Borg Queen that everyone guessed from episode two. The Borg ship at Federation together was really special. But the anomaly, have I missed something? What is it? Where does it come from? And why is it only important for the last 10 minutes of a season? <laughs> exactly. And if I'm being really picky, if it expelled enough energy for it to be seen from several planets, surely it would have been too powerful for all their shields. Music again, the buggers. See above regarding Chris. Picard, the smooth wordsmith bastard. <laughs> Music again. And again, refer to previous comments regarding Chris and his musical ability. Really on the fence with that finale. Some of the emotional beats are really strong, whilst others just felt rushed and a bit messy. Closing up the threads was all too convenient and felt like they were only really insulting the audience. Approximately 45 minutes of the finale of a season is nowhere near enough time to satisfyingly wrap it all up. I wanted so much more for this series, but I felt it just misfired and a real season by numbers at times. Hoping that season three adds something more for all the characters left. I'd still be happy with one last journey with the whole crew negotiating with an enemy to bring peace for a time. I'm off now to finish watching Enterprise. Personally, I think that's great. And then to gorge on TNG, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. I may be some time. Live long <laughs> and prosper. <laughs> Thanks so much, Richard. Really good to hear your thoughts. And, and quite similar to, to our thoughts as well. While the episode had some really great moments, filtered through a little too little runtime to give them the gravitas, I suppose, that they probably needed. It would exactly. have been great to have them spread a bit more across the season. Especially when they had the time of two episodes, um, at least nine and and eight and possibly even seven yeah. that were they could have um used that uh, more more thoroughly to explore what's going on here um for sure yeah, yeah totally agree yeah mm -hmm. thanks rich i i'm now going to uh respond to you through the the the, the journey that is my musical ability mm -hmm. no doubt. no i'm not i'm not but uh, thank you very much <laughs> and it's sarcasm noted i will be very careful with my musical gifts in the future um, 
just wait to see season three. <laughs> I will respond in only song. You know the way Santa Claus gives you cola Christmas if you've been a bad boy? I guess those are the kind of gifts you're giving out, Chris, is it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we've all been naughty, naughty Trekkies. That's why we got season two. Although not to talk about uh, economy, I guess if if Santa Claus is giving out cola Christmas, that would actually probably be a good thing for a lot of people this year, right? True, it's true. Literally, he's also like personally leaning into fossil fuels. He hasn't fully gone on to kind of greener kind of sustainability yet, but he's getting there. But moving on, we also have some feedback from Heather Wallace, who had this to say. I can honestly say I've never been that excited to see Wesley Crusher in the last 30 years. (laughs) Do we think all those soldier Brigati turned into proto-Borg and were transported into the walls of the Chateau would be happy to know that everything came out because Q wanted to show Jean-Luc how special he is why exactly was Q trying to stop Renee I feel like the writers were only a day ahead of shooting and didn't themselves know what exactly was happening Mm-hmm. Thanks, Heather. Yep, there's definitely uh, one or two bits that we still have questions on and paradoxes and things like that. And you're right. I completely forgot about uh, Seven's transporting of some of Borgatti's proto-Borg mm-hmm. into the walls. There is definitely now half transported skeletons fused <laughs> to the stone walls in Shadow Picard Absolutely. that we have not discussed yet. Absolutely. That's another one. No wonder that weapons seller was absolutely frightening to a young Jean-Luc Yes, Picard. exactly. There's just these half-built skeletons falling out of the wall as young Picard is running away, running towards his yeah. mother. There's just these dead skeletons leaning yeah, yeah. out. If you think he, if you think he had emotional problems after what happened to his mother, um, wait till he sees all the skeleton <laughs> bodies uh, in in the basement. Yeah, maybe that's the that's the reference to monsters that his mum uh, keeps mm-hmm. talking yeah. about. Yeah, maybe she um, saw all the skeletons, wondering what the hell. Happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Heather, uh, for for the feedback. Really good to get your thoughts, and I'm kind of with you i think on the writers i think uh they need um they need a whiteboard and post-it notes <laughs> you know uh, you know i I'm, I'm gonna have to give a little bit of <laughs> of credit to the writers i i know i'm i'm, I'm always giving excuses for people the, the big excuse i have for what's happened in the season is COVID. i do think the the production pressure to get this show finished has caused some yeah. major problems in the writer's room, everybody on Zoom trying to uh, break these stories and resolve these stories. It clearly has stood out on many occasions that there's been uh, problems in the writings of this series. I wish they'd just been given a bit more time to resolve it and uh, and come back around and and fix some of the issues because there are some serious problems in the season, but I'm going to have to blame COVID and the production to push this when it shouldn't have been pushed. It needed a bit more time um, overall. So totally agree with you as well, uh, Heather. No, agreed. Look, these writers are some of the best writers in Hollywood at this point in time. Like, you've got Mark Bernard and um, you've got Chris. You've got Akiva Goldman. Like, the, these people are not, like, fly-by-night fly by kind of writers. They are some of the best staff writers, mm-hmm. kind of, like, writer room people. They, they've got history. So I, I think it is that. I think, like, again, we know that COVID was problems with um, production 
with everything. So let's just call this what it was. This is a casualty of the times we're in, Mm -hmm. and hopefully season three is even better. I know. It just concerns me that the filming's already finished for that, which means it still was impacted by COVID. They didn't didn't give it a break and wait a little bit longer like uh, a lot of of other productions did. Uh, But thanks so much for that, Heather. Yeah, thank you, Heather. Um, Also, Joe Herbers says... Even with low expectations, that was a weak season finale. So much random stuff happening. I was hopeful with the first episode, but it was downhill from there. There were so many things that only make sense if the whole thing was a Q fantasy world, like in the Next Generation episode Tapestry. But Q told Guinan he didn't plan for them to go back in time, that they went on their own. Mm -hmm. So what was Q's plan in the alternative world to help Picard move forward? They went to this supposed alternative future where all Picard's friends were nearby in positions of power, even though the whole galaxy was different, and they somehow inhabited the minds of their alternate selves, unlike a mirror universe or time travel. So again, Q told Guinan that he didn't plan for them to go back in time. They went on their own. So what was Q's plan in the alternative world to help Picard with his emotional problems? It was great seeing John Delancey as Q again, and he had some nice scenes. I like Brent Spiner, but the scenes with his character made little sense, especially in the last few episodes. And why did the Watcher look exactly like Laris? Um, thanks so much, Joe, for the, the, the feedback. Um, I'm definitely with you. I think, you know, John Delancey's Q was great. And I really enjoyed uh, the scenes there. I think the eternal question of uh, why the Watcher looks exactly like Laris. Um, We're not going to answer. We just can't answer that, I think. Um, it needs to be uh, explained in some way. Mm, I think we just have to roll with it and say I think so. yeah, it looks like it because that's a Star Trek thing. And I think with Brent Spiner, again, I think, um, again, with you just mentioning that, the one thing that made no sense to me, again, was a disgraced researcher seemingly with an endless pot of money on the board of a science mission uh, and research science mission. He bought his way there, though. We, we I know, but I don't think they... I mean, I guess it just shows everyone at that moment were, is, like, just nuts about money, I guess. Mm. So Elon um, Musk, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sorry, uh, <laughs> Dr. Sun. Yeah, so... um yeah, I, I, I think I think Soong's storyline is a little bit hit and miss uh, for me as well. Uh, and interesting around, yeah, what was the all the plan with Q? I think we just discussed that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I the only way at this moment that I can possibly um, uh, rationalize it is. You know, Q was never going to take him to the final end moment, and so was expecting some yes. journey for Picard. And this journey happened to take him back in time, I guess. But uh, yeah. great to get your thoughts, Joe. Uh, from from that, um, we have a final voicemail from Matt Murdock um, on the finale music. Oh, absolutely! Yes, thanks so much, Matt, for sending in uh, your voicemail um, for the th- your thoughts on the finale music. About it. Uh, his thoughts at the start of the season on the music uh, for Star Trek Picard season two, and now we have some thoughts on the finale. Thanks, Matt. Hello, Derek, John, and Chris. Another season of Picard is done, and I know that I've said before that I don't like to comment too much on it, but I did really enjoy this finale. 
Uh, of course, I'm an emotional sap, and so that hit all of the emotional sap strings for me. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to congratulate Mr. Russo on an amazing season of film scoring, especially the way that he incorporated the main theme into so many aspects of this story throughout the whole season in some very surprising ways. I sent in feedback at the beginning of the season regarding how he had changed the main theme using all different kinds of things to make it seem darker or more perilous. There was no greater example of that. It was almost kind of uh, an amazing swan song in, in a way for Mr. Rousseau. In the scene where the shields are up and they're fighting off that energy that's coming from the entity, one of the motives from the main theme was used, and I was just floored by how it was used. Not entirely in a different way from the way it was used in the main theme throughout the whole series, but just the excitement that it generated and the recognition of how powerful music can be as a storyteller. The motive that I'm talking about really in its most beautiful form comes from, I think, Derek's favorite version of the theme. I'm talking about this. It creates a great, what I like to call, melodic shape in the fact that it reaches up, falls back down. And if you just keep those notes in mind, don't worry about the rhythm that they're played in, but just the notes themselves. These notes. And then in the end part of the phrase, this note also. Those are the five notes that were used throughout that whole sequence where the Borg had coordinated all of the shields and was holding off the energy through the use of all of the Federation ships. And while during the course of the use of the main theme for Season 2, the credits, so to speak, we heard that motive prominently with all kinds of motion underneath it, all kinds of harmonic dissonance underneath it, which would tend to put you to think that it was about Picard being in peril, when in actuality, I think what it was pointing to was this very moment in the fact that the strength of Picard to trust Agnes and her abilities to save the entire sector, despite all of the perilousness happening around it. This piece of music during this scene justifies the changing of the theme that again, I'm sorry, Derek, I'm not, not picking on you, but I know that you didn't like the change very much, at least initially. This scene is why I think Rousseau decided to do this whole musical tapestry all season. This right here. pulsating rhythm that just raises your heart rate. Are the shields going to hold up? Is the universe still safe? The strange harmonic sequences that go not underneath the melody, but on top of it. It's almost like the melody here 
rather than floating over the top of a harmonic bed to tell us what is going on, is actually the power that's behind the shield. The strength of Picard trusting, while all of the perilousness is way above in these high strings that's kind of cascading down the same way the beam energy was. It's absolutely amazing. Thank you guys for doing a great job covering this season. Always great to share a fandom with people who care. And while I'm not sure that I think that it was the best season overall that we could have gotten, I sure did like the ending. Take care. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much for your thoughts. I love hearing your thoughts about the music. Really good. I, I can confirm um, that I did get to really enjoy the theme tune for this season, but you're right. My favorite version is the beautiful, hopeful theme from season one. So, uh, so yeah, I love that they use that to uh, underscore that Picard had learned and will trust this new Borgatti to uh, to work with the, the with Starfleet. I thought that was a great way to to underline it there. Excellent stuff, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. I, I look forward so much to your, your voicemails, mm-hmm. and just because I don't, the music aspect is something I I I rarely really trigger into and notice until you actually call out these bits, and I'm like, oh my god, mm-hmm. yeah, that make the composer yeah. here is amazing. Look what they've done. Mm-hmm. So yes, thank you so much for your feedback on this. Like it really just brings another level to some of the feedback and some of our discussions. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you, uh, Matt, for the, the musical feedback. It's always great, uh, hearing the, the different, um, aspects of, of the, the score that underlies this. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly would be, interested uh in your thoughts on danny elfman's score as Ooh, well yes uh for for doctor strange in the multiverse of madness mm-hmm. uh, dare i say it chris uh, has not seen it yet no. so uh, we, will, we will say no more john exactly we will be back next week with our discussion about doctor strange in the multiverse of madness which is in cinemas now so go see that and uh, and let us know your thoughts thank you so much to everyone who's provided feedback for this season of star trek picard you can of course share any further thoughts with us uh, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com pop over to facebook on facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries answer a very simple question and you can enter our group in there and you can share any thoughts that you have about uh, this season of picard and um, we will be back discussing that uh, in a couple of weeks' time, um, when the guys are back from uh, from their various trips, and once again, thank you to our supporters, uh, those of you that, that have listened to the podcast, sharing the podcast, supporting us over on Patreon. For example, the wonderful Victor Von Doom, who's uh, who is our Patreon uh, for this episode. Thank you, Victor. Yes, thank you so much, Victor, for um, all your support and, of course, all the feedback that you provide. Mm-hmm. Great hearing your thoughts. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, and we hope you enjoyed the the castle in Lafaria that you are listening to us yes. from right now. <laughs> that would be awesome. I hear the podcast sounds really good in the castle. It really does. It's <laughs> it's the the echoing hollowness of my voice echoes through the chambers. <laughs> and if you want to support us with any monthly amount, you can support us on patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries. But if you'd just like to support us with a one off amount, you can donate to us over on buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI. If you'd like to support us another way, you can just share the podcast uh, on any of your social media channels. Um and we can extend the love for TV podcast yes. industries. Because remember, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. Everyone's support uh, in any which way mm-hmm. they decide to provide it is absolutely 
great. So thank you so very much, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Yes, not only will we be back with the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness podcast, we will have our wrap-up podcast mm-hmm. of both Star Trek Picard and uh, Disney Plus's um, Moon Knight series mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, um, And, of course, we will be providing our the answers and um, the the draw for the pub quiz as well. Yes, and the 10 forward quiz. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us throughout the season. Hopefully you'll be back with us for Picard Season 3. Uh, we will, of course, be back uh, covering Picard Season 3 when that does come out. Yes, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies, Trekkers, and everything in between. As always, been a pleasure, and we'll speak to you again soon. Yes, great discussing all things Star Trek and Picard with you, uh, fellow Trekkers and Trekkies. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep trekking. Bye. Yeah!